that they had this thing called an orphanage in Haiti, which would soon be handed off to Mishkan David to be caretakers of. Susie and I, in that moment, we gave our wedding rings. Hmm. And I'll never forget the moment, about six months later, where in the Dominican Republic, Pastor Fisher was overseeing a wedding. And he pulled out the wedding rings that we gave to them at that moment. And I know I'll never forget the picture of these beautiful, thin Dominican issues with our little gold wedding rings on their fingers, which they never would have gotten because they just couldn't afford something like that. I would remind you of the divine time that we were in another place in Barlville, and there was this broken vessel that came to Mishkan David, and Rabbi Peter turned off the music and said, how can we praise when this one vessel is just so broken? And he wound up taking a shofar, and he put down a vase, which we were using at the time for washing of hands, and he went, <laughs> That's what Adonai will do if we don't take our full vase of water and pour it out and pour it on those who are broken. Instead, we take our, our vases of water that were so full and we parade it around as if it's something to, to be adorned and it's something to be shown to people. Look at how full I am while God's kids are broken. So he poured the water out of that vase and he put it on the ground and said, boom, this can happen. And it was a crazy time. There was Bibles getting ripped up. Everybody getting all upset. People left and didn't come back. But through all that, I remember this Jewish person actually that came up, accepted Yeshua for the first time. It was a crazy day. And at the end of that day, there was a little bit of a left turn when all of a sudden a prophecy went forth to the fishers and said, you see all this on the floor? You see all this mess? What's coming against the orphanage in Haiti and those coming against the orphanage, this is about to happen to them. Three days later was the earthquake in Haiti. I share this with you to remind you that this is not just a, a family move that we love moving. What's happening is part of this body. It's part of what Adonai is doing at Mishkan David. And all these things we are divinely laced to. And the story is just beginning. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. What's going on down there, and what will go on down there, with this boat going down, with the Taurus go right at the, at the top, the front corner of the boat, going through the waters, going through this land, it's, I don't believe it's ever been done before. I believe it is a new thing that is happening here. And we've seen it. Those of us have been down to Haiti, we've seen it. We've seen the miracles. We've seen nature obey the voice of the king within us. Yes. We've seen the authority of Messiah through us down there that Adonai has given. It is a beautiful and glorious thing, and it is a new thing that is happening at 
the tent of David that we're all crazy enough to be considered a part of. And, and this congregation, I, I just gotta share it, this congregation is not like any other congregation. And, and I don't just say this as the rabbi, you know this. I, three months ago I was there with you with my feet up. You know that. I'm not saying it's like, okay, look at my congregation, it's a good congregation. You know I'm not coming from that point of view. I'm coming for you objectively as a congregant. There ain't no place like this place. And Susie and I have been to a lot of places. You could be very impressed with us. <laughs> we've ministered music all around the country. We've been to Ontario. We've ministered in Alberta, Canada. We were flown to England for the union of British Messianic synagogues. Had to pick up our English accent. So they had to learn the American one. We've been around. Yep. There ain't no place like this place. There ain't no place where the simple vision of this place is that Yeshua is within you. Believe it. That you, you are created in the image of God. Believe it. Believe it. It's just that basic. You are created in God's image. You are a unique, beautiful expression of the King of Glory. Just believe it. Believe it. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's the only congregation I know where we say you're free to come and we're free to go. You're free to leave, you're free to come back. You're free to leave, you're free to not come back. You're free to stay. Sleep in. You're free to leave early. Free to sleep here. You're free to sleep here. <laughs> you are. Who the sun sets free is free. Come on now. <clears throat> We're not looking to meld you into our image, into the image of a congregation or a religion. You are already created. In his image. Believe it. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. And as the vision that Adonai is, what he's doing and about to do in Haiti, as that rises, it will rise here as well. Because we are divinely linked. And we will see this more and more. I'm reminded of the time that um, we were meeting at Park Target. And we're a unique congregation in another way. We have never spent a single dime on rent or mortgage since the inception of this tent of David. Praise God. Not a cent. Praise God. We've been to places, we've provided offerings to people who've allowed us to, to, to come and worship in their facilities. We've, we've never spent a dime in rent or mortgage, which allows us for the funds that do come in to just go to needs, you know? Go to people who need it. 
There was a time that we were in Target. <laughs> and they wanted to start charging us rent. So we left. Without having a place to go. So for the next seven weeks, we met on the beach. Rhode Island. And what we wound up doing was for seven weeks. It just happened to be. Yeah. During the 49 days. It was between Passover and Shavuot. It happened to be those seven weeks. We were, we left on Passover. And by the time Shavuot came, we had no place. And we had our first service in Boroughville on Shavuot, which happens to be the first service that Mishkan David ever had. Years back on Shavuot, Pentecost. So for those seven weeks, we met on the beach. And we started at the northern end of Rhode Island on the beach. And we built an altar. And we worshipped. And then we went the next week a little farther south. And we built an altar of stones. And we worshipped. And we did this for seven weeks. And we went down, the final place was in Mightown, Westerly. And it was on the heart of Rabbi Peter at that time that there may be a time that trouble comes to America, that trouble comes, that tribulation comes to the people, to God's people, and there may be a time that trouble comes even to the Jewish people. And Rhode Island has been a place of safety for the Jewish people since it was a colony. In fact, the oldest synagogue in America is here in Rhode Island, in Newport, and many of us know that. And it's because the colony of Rhode Island was the first colony that allowed freedom of religion. So Jewish people had a lot of safety here in Rhode Island. But one of the visions at the time, when we were building these altars, is that the time is coming where this place will not be such a safe place anymore for Jewish people, and for anybody, for the people of God. So those altars that we built on the shores was spiritually a gateway out of here. It was a vision. And then as Rabbi Peter, years later, we started to go to Haiti and we started to, you know, the Lord started to build the vision that they were going to move to Haiti. They find this island called Yilavash, which is where they're going to live. And they get to this island which is off part of Haiti, but off the mainland. And all of a sudden there are these altars on the beach. And it was like this puzzle piece was put down. It was like this final puzzle piece. Like, okay, I get it. Hence, that's why they're headed that way. But one of the visions is that we, this tent of David here on Rhode Island, are the keepers of that gate. Whatever that means. But however that's going to transpire, we have a calling here in this congregation that in some way we're going to facilitate the way out for God's people. And I don't exactly know what that means. It's important for you to know what your rabbi feels about end time stuff. A lot of people are pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, this-trib, that-trib. Post-millennium, pre-millennium, mid-millennium. I'm a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out in the end. God bless you 
It, and many people do have a strong vision for trouble coming in the short term. I receive that, but I don't have a strong vision for it. I don't not believe it, okay? I just don't, the Lord is not speaking to me about that, okay? And I think it's important you know where the rabbi stands with these things, okay? And I, I, I know there are a lot of people that feel very strongly that we're a year away, two years away from trouble, some trouble is coming. I just want you to know that I don't know when it's going to come. I know it's going to. It may be in a year or two. It may not. I don't know. I would be lying if I told you I have a vision. So I want to be truthful. I don't know. But I do know it's part of the calling of this congregation to be ready for it. That I do know. I'll, I'll share what I do feel about end times and when tribulation is going to come. I'll share a little bit about that. It says in Genesis, for six days you shall labor, and the seventh day is rest. It also says in a place that the day to the Lord is a thousand years. So, therefore, this sojourn of humanity on earth will be for 7,000 years. This is what I believe. 6,000 we labor, and 1,000 is the Shabbat. That's right. Okay? And that coincides with Revelation, where it talks about a millennial thousand-year reign of Messiah. That's Shabbat. 6,000 years we work, and the 7,000th year we rest. That's the Messianic kingdom, the, the millennial reign of Messiah. When is that 6,000th year? I don't know. In Judaism, in their traditions of counting the years since creation, this is the year 5774. Which means we got 226 years to go. According to them. I'm not saying that they're right. It could be 5999 today. I don't know. So somewhere between now and a couple of hundred years, this thing's going to all pan out. That's why I'm a pan-millennialist. Okay? That's what I believe. I believe in the prophecy that happened in the book of Daniel in chapter 9. Where it says 70, what's normally translated as sevens. And it's Shavuah, and it's an odd word, and I believe that that word has a lot of prophetic meaning. When, 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 when um, sin will be no more, and, and all these things, and the anointed one's going to come, and all the things that it speaks about in Daniel 9, 70, whatever that is, it means 70 years, because that's how long the children of Israel were in Babylon. It means 70 Seven, 70, seven year periods, right? So you have a seven year period, okay? Which in scripture, in Torah, that's important because you got these seven year cycles. Jubilee. Right, that's the 50 year. And every seven year is the Shmita. Shmita. Where every seven years, the land rests, okay? In six years, you take, you take enough grain to last three years. For that year, the rest, 
and then the eighth year when you can start collecting grain, it's enough for three years. And it's amazing promise of Adonai that if they let the land rest for seven, on that seventh year, he's going to provide enough sustenance in the sixth year to last for three years. The amazing promise of Adonai. So, 70 sets, 70 sevens, as it's called, it's 70 years, because that's how long it took for the Babylon exile to end. 70 seven-year periods, which is 490 years, because that's what goes right to the time that Messiah came. And it also means, I'm sharing what I believe. Important you know what I believe. It means 70 jubilees. Yes. 70 times 50 is 3,500 years. They say that Joshua took the land in roughly 1500 BC, BC, which puts 3,500 years, which is 70 jubilees, right about now. But we don't know exactly the year that Joshua came into the land and, and took the land. But 70 jubilees is how long this thing's going to take. This is what I believe. I believe that what we see in the book of Exodus today in the Torah portion is a foreshadow of what can come. And the things that led up to the tribulation coming to Egypt, if we see the things that led up to it in Exodus, watch out. And the things that led up in Exodus is number one, the people got comfortable. Let's just go through it. People think that the children of Israel were in slavery for 400 years. That is not the case in Egypt. They were comfortable for most of them. They were only enslaved for the latter whatever years. But most of the years they were in Egypt. They were comfortable. They liked it there. It says they were, they were multiplying. They were blessed. They were fruitful. They liked it there. Whatever system Egypt had, they got really used to. And they liked it. It was developed by Joseph, right? <laughs> yes, it was. And then other people came that did not know Joseph. But yes, you're right. The original plan was for them to survive the famine and then just go back. But they, they got accustomed to it. But what happened, and these are things to look out for, comfort. Like, and I, I fall into this. Like, I go to Walmart, and I'm like, Wow, this is pretty cool. I got like everything I need here. I get real comfortable sometimes. I'm guilty of it. But what happens is the system turns on you. And that's what happened in the book of Exodus. The system that they got comfortable with enslaved them. And then, after they are enslaved by it, it starts demanding more output without giving anything to help. It reminds me of a, jo a job I had where you know you get paid on salary X amount of dollars. You know, but it's normally like an eight hour day. But then all of a sudden, the job I was at, they wanted me to work 15 hours. But they weren't giving me any more money. I was on salary. It put my mind on, I wonder what's gonna happen on the seven year anniversary of September 11th. And I didn't mean September 11th, 2008. I mean the biblical 
calendar seven-year anniversary because things happen in seven-year cycles in Scripture. We seven years of famine. We just spoke about the Shemitah year, the seven years. So things happen seven years. And for from 2001 to 2008, it was always on my mind. I wonder if something is going to happen, another terrorist attack or something like that. It was something that was always on my mind. On one week before Rosh Hashanah, 2008, that was always on my mind. I'm still working in New York. 2008 finally came. I'm still working in New York. And I had to go into New York. I was living here. I had to go into New York for a couple of days to work, including that biblical seven-year anniversary of September 11th. And I was concerned. I called Rabbi Peter. And I said, Rabbi Peter, I'm not saying this is from the Lord. I'm not saying the Lord's telling me this. But it's been on my mind for the past couple of years that maybe something's going to happen. Another terrorist attack. I don't know. On the biblical seven-year anniversary of September 11th. So Rabbi Peter was fasted while I was there. So however long you're going to be in New York City, I'm going to fast. And I was there for two days. We fasted for two days because of that. So I go to New York. Half, you know, the day comes, there's no terrorist attack. I come home, it was that night. I turned on the TV, it was the night that George Bush, W. Bush, declared that we were in this economic crisis. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was on the biblical, the exact same day as September 11th on the biblical calendar seven years after. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, the World Financial Center, the buildings collapsed on September 11th, and the world finances collapsed seven years after. And then a lot of other revelation came in. Jonathan Kahn wrote a, wrote a book about it, right? And he, and he started to see, talk about how it's, it's the Shemitah year, it's the seven-year cycle. And, and I was like, whoa, it was, it was precisely the things that were coming to me. And the same day that the stock market crashed after 2011, it was the exact same day, exact same day on the biblical calendar that it crashed again in 2008. Okay? This is my own personal experience. And by the way, we talk about vision and Mishkan David. I believe Jonathan Kahn will be coming here to speak. Okay. I see it. Okay. I'm just... Put it out there. I see him coming here to speak. Okay. Um, so that puts my mind on one week before Rosh Hashanah, 2015. Okay. Because we're in, if if and I say if. Okay. I'm not hanging my yarmulke on any of this. I reserve the right to be wrong on all of it. Okay. However. Uh, yeah. Yeah. However. Yeah. Yes. Right. It puts my mind on if, if something's going to happen yeah. on around Rosh Hashanah time, 2015, which would again be a seven-year cycle. Okay? So that's where I am with it. But there is, and I know it because it's on my ordination certificate, that we are the gatekeepers here in Rhode Island. And I believe also, as the vision for what the Lord is doing in Haiti manifests, there's going to be a, a realization of our connection as gatekeepers here in this state, as watchmen in this state. Okay, this is a weird kind of message. It's not really a message. It's not a sermon or anything like that. It's just, I don't know what it is. I'm just sharing what's on my heart. That's right. Okay? 
So that's where it is when it comes to end times with me. And I will share this, and this is extremely important, extremely important. And I'm gonna probably close with this. This is the most important thing that I need to know when it comes to the time that God brings judgment on a nation. And it cuts me to the freaking core. Okay? We're reading in scripture now in Exodus about the time that judgment was going to come to Egypt. And we know the stories, we know the plagues. We know it. We're going to live through it as we read the Torah over the next coming weeks. There are various stories in scripture about God bringing judgment to a nation. We have Egypt. We have Babylon. And more than once, we have Israel itself. Where he brings judgment and they have to get exiled out of, out of the land. The most famous story of God bringing judgment to a land, to a nation, to a, to, a, to a city, whatever it is, is what? Is Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? That is probably the most famous of stories of God bringing judgment to a nation. And I have to say this. In this day and age, there's a lot of thought and a lot of prayer and a lot of words going forth about how this nation is turning into Sodom and Gomorrah. About laws and about homosexuality and various things. I need to share this with you. Okay? <coughs> Sodom and Gomorrah is not what you think. There was a time that the children of Israel, this is my Bible, I am what I said. <laughs> Ezekiel 16 and as the words are coming forth which is more vision casting about what this tent of David really is I need to share this because this is foundational. God is about to bring judgment to Israel. And warnings are going from the prophets to the people of Israel, to the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And Ezekiel says, your older sister is Samaria who lives to the north of you. That's Israel. If you don't know, the uh, kingdom of Israel this time was divided. There was the northern kingdom, it was called Israel. There was the southern kingdom, it was called Judah. Two of the tribes, plus the Levites, were in Judah on the south. The rest of them were up in the north. That's how it was. So it says, your older sister is Samaria, who lives north of you, with her daughters. And your younger sister, who lives south of you, that's Judah, is Sodom. 
So the Lord, through Ezekiel, just equated Judah, which is where Jerusalem is. It's where the, the primary tribes are, if you want to say that, the tribe that Messiah is going to come out of, the Levites, the real priests, and Benjamin. Those are the ones that are in the southern, the southern area of Judah. He just equated them with Sodom. And we have in our minds what that means and what the real sin of Sodom was. But it says, you, Judah, have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations, but as if that were too little, you acted more corruptly. As I live, declares the Lord Sodom, which is Judah, your sister and her, and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and committed abominations. And we think we know what the abominations were. But I tell you right now that the sin where Adonai brings judgment is the ease that we have in this nation. But we don't help the poor and the needy. He's not talking to the homosexuals. He's talking to us. You must understand that. That they, the world is the world. The world's going to do what they're going to do. Nations are going to put laws in and then take laws out. Put laws in and take laws out. It's all self-serving. Right. It's just what they do to get votes. Yeah. It's all they do. The, the ones of Sodom is me. Right. I'm this one from Sodom. Because I don't give to the poor and I don't give to the hungry. You must understand that. That is why God brought judgment to Israel at that time. That's why he brought judgment to Israel at the time of Messiah. And it says explicitly that's why he brought judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read um, Isaiah 1, it says the same thing. He calls Israel. Sodom, because they did not help the widows and the orphans. And I don't know about you, but that cuts me, cuts me to the core, because there's a lot of talk about what's going on in this nation with various laws and various practices. I'm telling you that judgment comes to the body of Messiah first. He judges his people. He's more tolerant to the, the sins of the world than he is to us when we have luxury like we do in this nation. But we don't help the, the widows and we don't help the orphans and we don't help the poor. That is the sin 
of Sodom. When it says that Sodom, that, that Abraham was saying that, you know, if there, are, if there are 20 righteous people, would you save it? He says, yeah, I'll save it. If there are 10 righteous, yeah, I'll save it. It means there wasn't 10 righteous there. That means judgment had to come. That means that's why they had to pull out Lot, because him and his family were less than 10, so they had to get pulled out. But I tell you, it is because there were people there that did not feed the poor and did not help feed the hungry and did not help the poor. And that cuts me to the core. And it puts the focus back on us and not on them. So, what does your rabbi believe about judgment coming and when it's going to come? It's when the body of Messiah becomes fat and comfortable in the land. There's nothing wrong with blessing. There's nothing wrong with Walmart. It's not the system. It's the comfort with the system and the lack of help of those who are in need when you are so blessed. And when that happens, judgment is going to come. And that's what I see because I see it in myself. So I repent for not helping the poor as I should and not feeding the hungry as I should. And when God is looking for the Sodomites, I'm the Sodomite because of that. And as we talk about what is this thing called the Tent of David, that is what it is. That we are the ones, we are the ones that, that need to repent. We are the ones who look internal it takes the, takes the focus off of others and oh god what are you going to do because of them what are you going to do because of me you must understand that that is foundational thank you Father. it's tough it's a lot easier to just judge society and how society is i see society too and i will not take a word out of this torah and translate it in a different way to fit some politically correct anything. It says what it says. It is what it is. It is unmovable, it is unchangeable. Okay? But hurts heart, God's heart is when his people get fat and don't help the people who are hungry. And when that happens, that's when judgment comes. That's what scripture says. I think we just had the message. We sure did. So how can I turn this into something light and happy? I don't know. I can't. But I will repeat that what's happening over there is part of this tent of David in Haiti. And as that vision comes forth, as that sail rises, we rise. As the wave goes this way, we go this way. And it's going to manifest 
more clearly as time goes. There's going to be times when we are going to go there, it's going to be affordable, and it's going to be more process. It's going to be a, a thing that's going to happen where when we want to go, we can go, and this is how you do it. It's going to, God and I is going to build this incredible connection that is across oceans between here and what's happening over there. Yeah. And it's an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Woo!